I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. All right, my guest today is Garth Trinidad, DJ on KCRW, in my opinion, the best radio station in America. He's the alternative soul guy and has been responsible for breaking acts like Erica Badu, Jill Scott, Little Dragon most recently. And uh, in this show, we get into this dude has a lot of side hustles and has really mastered that game and how to keep all the balls in the air at the same time. And he recently got into uh, producing and we talk a little bit about some surprising reactions he got from the L.A. community and a little bit of how to ignore the haters and just keep following his passion. So listen in. Post a comment here on soundcloud.com slash rebel underscore radio. Hit us up on Twitter at rebel radio net. Check it out. We're going to try to bring you a track each week that we think you're going to like in partnership with our friends over at edm.com. This week's track of the week is from Patawawa, a new disco trio out of Matlock, UK. Big shout out to Matlock, wherever that is. Uh, this is this track is called Back to Life, the LBCK remix. And check it out. Post a comment. Let us know what you think. Here we go. Welcome to Rebel Radio. I'm so excited about today's guest. I think I say that every week, and, uh, but this week it's actually true. <laughs> uh, no, it's always true, but uh, my guest today is Garth Trinidad. Welcome. My man. 
you are uh, the on-air host on KCRW, as well as music editor uh, for LA Canvas, contributor, I think, to OK Player and probably some other places yeah. that we'll learn about. Yeah. Um, great live DJ. You've played events for us. And, and oh, yeah, those, those are fun. You I love your times. events because they're always, like, you know, interesting. Thanks. You know? Thanks, yeah. There's always I mean, something to it. There's substance there. Yeah, that's the idea, right? People have plenty of choices what to do with their time. So got to give them some, something that they can latch on to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm especially excited because, you know, you're a guy who I think is known for breaking the kind of records that I like to listen to. Uh, you know, I have a pretty diverse taste in music, but but I know that if, if you're playing, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have a good time. And Thanks, you, um, and you've made a career out of discovering these artists or bringing them, you know, to a bigger stage. I think back from from Jill Scott, Erica Badu, to Little Dragon. You know, you've played a role in a lot of these artists. Uh, you know, being able to reach their potential, and you know, without you and and other people that that do that, you know, we wouldn't know about a lot of these people. And I think uh, so. Anyway. Welcome. Man, thank I'm you excited to have you. See how y'all groove today. First of all, man, let me just say that I'm proud of you. <laughs> and um, Yeah, we can start there. I think that, uh, like I said off mic, this is like long overdue, you know, and uh, I dig it. I mean, I think one of the most important things that that our generation is so in need of and younger generations is is a dialogue. And uh, that's why I love the sort of medium of the podcast, because it's allowing people to really come together in a social way mm. and talk about things and discover things and rediscover things and, mm. you know, look at you know what's possible or or get opinions on where we might be headed and i just i love it and for you like for the rebel brand like i've been waiting for this for a long time that's you know what i mean so yeah i was really happy to see it kind of come to fruition nice um so i'm proud of you man it's good nice. i'm also blushing because cassandra said i have very smooth skin <laughs> i'm glowing and well you know let's talk about uh the show i guess we can't call it chocolate city but um you know, I, I mentioned, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit off air, right? Like, your job is to take a massive amount of music that comes your way that, you know, that you love or think your listeners are going to love and filter it down into, you know, what fits in a time slot and is going to work together as a set. And, and, you know, that's no different from any other DJ, but, um, but you have a certain perspective on what, you know, what you need to play, right? Uh, so... Give us a little bit of that process of how you do that. Uh, you know, it's I think it's it's always been difficult to put into words because being allowed to kind of play what you want, mm -hmm. uh, especially now that the market has evolved. I mean, 
granted, there's a lot of great sort of independent platforms, and we live in the sort of age of accessibility at this point, you know, where you can Shazam or Google something, and you pretty much can find it and grab it some kind of way, mm-hmm. torrents or, you know, illegal download sites or whatever. Um, you can get to things, you know, whereas 15, 20 years ago, when I first started, you know, there was a lot more exclusivity and there wasn't a lot of access. I mean, personally, I've gone from, you know, being the guy that made the rounds at record labels, showed up at, you know, artist apartments and houses and, you know, made countless phone calls and emails to get something yeah. before it came out. Mm-hmm. I don't really do that anymore. I mean, part of it is I already get a lot of stuff right. beforehand anyway, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of stuff I don't get beforehand and I'm not I'm just not worried about it anymore I think I'm just um, a lot more at ease with playing around with the sort of emotional response to music and then editing that way it's Hmm. I think uh, I think it was Jason Bentley I mean he's he's an early mentor of mine Um, and someone asked him a similar question at one point and I remember he said, you know, this whole DJ thing, like if you're if you're really able to play what you want and do what you like, you are carving out uh, a very personal slice of yourself and, you know, allowing it to become pub- part of the public space. Sure. And I mean, that's public radio and, and DJing for a certain audience that may know who you are and what you do and like what you do. That's what you're giving them. So the exchange is very, it's just very emotional. So when I'm listening to music, I just think my ears are, you know, since I was a kid, they just, they like certain sounds and certain rhythms and certain tones. And and that's kind of what it comes down to is like this collection of sounds, Mm -hmm. you know, that I like. Um, And the genre is really not, it's not a part of it. It's just kind of like, because I'm charged with listening. Okay, Chocolate City, even though it was a broad playlist, it was still this idea of like what early urban alternative was, mm-hmm. you know, and and there was a a little you know world music in there too, you know, thrown in for good measure because that community is obviously growing and um, a lot of um, young producers are more and more pulling from traditional music from around the world to make new music. Electronic music right. is very interesting stuff. Uh, pretty much every continent. Um, but Chocolate City was like this this urban alternative thing. It was like, okay, alternative hip-hop, alternative soul, alternative R&B, blah, 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 blah. It was all this alternative mm-hmm. black music, you know, and then classic stuff, you know. Um, whereas what we're doing now, kind of post-program title, is really paying attention to the general aesthetic of what the station should sound like or could sound like. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said uh, earlier, though, about your ears. And um, so what how did how did that taste form? What what are some of the influences and the the early records that shaped your taste in music? Yeah, man. Um, Well, my parents, um, they played music in the house. They had records, radio, I think, back in the 70s. And uh, early 80s was a lot different. But, you know, my, my folks had everything from, like, the Bee Gees and, like, that Grover Washington Jr. stuff. And mm-hmm. 
you know, Marion McCaba and, you know. Is there a first record you remember loving? Man, that's a, I probably have to like go through some crates, you know, like there's so many things milling through my head right now. Um, I think though, because I know there was a lot of records I really liked when I was young, but it wasn't until I think maybe off the wall mm -hmm. that I really began to be like cognizant of like music and my own identity, right? Like I became attached to that record. Like I, I think, mm -hmm. I believe I still have the original copy that I got when I was like five sure. or whatever, whatever. Yeah, it was 79, I think that yeah. record came out. Yeah. And I was five, I was five. I still have that copy. Still in good shape too. <laughs> um, Do you remember the first record you bought? No, I don't. Because I think that it was a bunch of records I bought. Like, <laughs> it was my first. It was my first time like going out and buying records. It was like a bunch of them, and I don't. I could probably find them in a crate somewhere. Like, yeah, this is one of the first ones I bought. This is in the first act, but. Yeah, you know, I didn't label them or anything. I just was like, yeah, my, my the first, first CD I brought though, oh yeah, bought was uh, "Erotic City" the single. Oh shit, that was the first CD wow. I got. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, I was like, uh, yay. CD I bought was Oswald. I don't, I forget the, I can picture the album cover, but I forget the title. But, uh, but the first record I bought was uh, Being With You, Smokey, the seven inch. And the crazy thing is my dad, my dad was a, a amateur musician. He's now a professional musician, but um, he had like a decent record collection, but I didn't really understand, you know, as a kid. So I bought this record and I played it a lot. I love that song. And then one day I was like, like it was kind of like, oh, that song's done. So I threw the record out. Or I used it as a toy. Like I didn't, I didn't understand that like, I never did that again. That was like the one only time that <laughs> happened. But like, I, but like I was just like, oh, okay. Like I'm listening to it. Now I'm not anymore. So I'll get rid of it. Wow. So yeah, I, I stopped doing that. <laughs> so funny. So Erotic City. Yes. Yeah, it was like yeah. I just got a, a stereo with a CD player in it, and it was the only CD I had. CD I had, so it was like all I was listening to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was fun. It's so funny. That's it was hilarious. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> rewind, rewind, just yeah. rewind button all day. Erotic City was hilarious. Yeah, I wonder, you know, if uh, you know, you're talking about how the music's changed in terms of our access to every song in the world now, right? And and I wonder how that changes. For kids, because you know we had that where you would wear the tape out literally, you know, or you would just play something over and over because right. you because you had a really limited selection, and and obviously that doesn't exist anymore. You know, Apple Music came out, and you know, it was yet another uh, avenue to all the music ever recorded. And so I often wonder, you know, how that. 
I think we're still early days in terms of how that's going to affect people's listening behavior um, and their tastes and, and all of that. Uh, I don't know. Curious where that goes. It's funny, you know, um, Randy Jackson and I um, met American Idol Randy mm -hmm. um, when he was like VP of a and like MCA Records or whatever. Um, and so began our dialogue about music because he, you know, he listened to the show and and uh, we were always just talking about stuff. And um, I've been, you know, using him as a sounding board for like, you know, a, a four, a poss possible forays into television, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so he'll give me, I love his feedback. He's very honest and frank and candid. And so I go to him all the time with these ideas, you know. And, uh, you know, trying to do something on television with music is damn near impossible these days. Um, you got your video shows. MTV isn't really MTV anymore. It's not really music television. Right. Uh, because everything has gotten so expensive as the sort of, recording industry has imploded mm -hmm. um so trying to present something that's like you know travel music this and that has just been hard to do and most most kids i know are young people that are sort of like under 30 to 25 or whatever they don't really understand the concept of radio mm -hmm. like terrestrial radio is like what i don't mm -hmm. even get that um and genre to them is just kind of like whatever it's just like i like good songs yeah you know what i mean like i'm yeah, just for sure yeah and, and, but i think that's interesting because i think for for our generation you know i'm a little bit older but we're but and and, and beyond and and older right uh music you know is so much of became the center of your cultural identity for a lot of people right you know obviously you know you uh you had to the jocks or the whatever right but but for a lot of us you know growing up you were a hip-hop kid or you were a, a you know punk rock kid or heavy metal kid and and so and that formed the your social life you know yeah. how you dressed how you yeah. saw yourself yeah. the language you used all of that right was influenced first and foremost by your music choice and so i'm curious what that does like to societies when all those lines disappear you know and i think i think yeah we are seeing it you know and certainly um you know odd future is a good example of bringing that to light where they don't look like hip-hop kids that i know right and but they are i mean their their thing is just as legitimate as you know wu-tang clan but it's different and but that, I think that's early days, right? In terms of what we're seeing, of these these worlds coming together, and so I'm just curious, you know, what does that mean ten years from now for a high school kid? Like, if music is not the thing that's driving your sense of your place in in the world, then what is it? Yeah, I know I'm asking uh, you to see the question. future, but. No, no, no. Yeah, but that's it's. I, I think it's part of that sort of the intrigue of that meditation. I, th I think that, you know, music, as you mentioned, I mean, it has been the core of you know defining all the different sort of you know uh, aspects of pop culture. 
mm-hmm. you know, because of what it does. I mean, music, you know, in genre, you know, trend has informed everything from language to politics. I mean, it it's like mm-hmm. right there at the bottom, right. you know, it's like the, the thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's going to mean, you know, the going away of, of those lines, but like the blurring of them rather, like you can be more than just the one thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still going to inform, you know, people's, you know, uh, decisions about, you know, fashion and identity and things. But I just think it's just not going to be the one thing anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to be rare mm-hmm. for those kids who are like, you know, cause I was one of those kids who was never really sold on one thing I, I like to you know I was sure. dipping my toes in everything right. I was like I just like music mm-hmm. you know I was always that kid right um I was an artist and I was a jock you know what I mean like what'd you play uh football um in high school um I played soccer early on too uh AYSO back mm. in the day um but yeah I just think it's gonna be the norm for you know younger people to sort of make multiple choices about like what they like and and kind of represent that like their closets are going to be filled with more than just like one style mm-hmm. you know yeah that's cool i think that's what i'm seeing more so than like all of a sudden there's nothing it's no 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 it's just like you got all these choices and it's okay mm-hmm. to like more than one thing right you know what i'm hoping is it brings about like this new era of you know security because like junior high and high school and all that is like one of the scariest times in life. Totally. You know, you have to find your tribe. It's the worst. You have to feel like you fit in. But like, man, when I see like gangbangers walking around looking like skate punk kids, but they're Crips and Bloods and essays, mm-hmm. you know, you, and, and they like more than just hip hop or more than just whatever. Like, they're not only listening to like Art LeBeau, but they're like tuning into KCRW too. Right. Yeah. You know, like that's. That's fascinating to me, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of like what I'm what I'm checking out. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. cool. How do you protect? I mean, you guys obviously do a really great job, but how do you protect your process in picking the right music and keeping the listeners engaged? Well, I, see, th- I think I'm not sure that uh, people haven't been able to touch it. I think that that KCRW has been in the last decade, especially, um, I don't want to say copied. But it's it's been very influential, sure. Mm. And a lot of people have seen and been hearing enough. Uh, some people have been trained there and have gone on to do other things. What I do personally, um, I don't know. I I, I kind of keep things interesting by not really mapping, like mapping out what I'm going to do beforehand. On a good night, if I'm lucky. I got like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes to spare before the show. Like I'll get to the station, you know, with a little bit of time. And I, I really utilize their music library, right. you know. Sure. How do you get that real-time feedback? You know, when you're a DJ in a room and you put a song on somebody's, like, you can tell if the crowd's not feeling it. How do you get that feedback in radio? I mean, now it's social media. Right. You know, and it's funny because we... But I mean, you're not checking your Twitter while you're on. Yeah, that's you really are. the only time I'm. Is that know, right? I'm like tweeting and checking Twitter when I'm like on the radio usually. Nice. 
because I mean, there's like a there's a computer sitting next to us, and right. it's just easy to kind of lean over and mm. type something or whatever, or check mm. something. Well, mm. you know. So with that, what are what are new artists or independent artists doing to get your attention? Personally, there, there and there's no there's no protocol for it. Mm-hmm. There's no rules or restrictions. You know, people can come up off the street if I'm out somewhere like DJing or whatever and hand me something. Mm-hmm. Um, does that work though? Like, a, can you? Are you? That's what I'm saying. Like, are you? Like the records that you are discovering, right? It's, it's man. How is that happening? Uh, that's that's something that I would like to improve on, but I'm afraid, just because of my schedule, I'm not sure if I'll, I'll ever be able to really listen to everything. Mm-hmm. And I wish no, that course. I could. So um, think about something. I don't know if it's Little Dragon or. or uh, coyote or something that's you know recent that you sort of you know discovered or had a hand in breaking right is there, is there something that stands out about how that record came to you I mean is it, is it all just through a promoter you know <laughs> there's a lot of that I mean okay. you know because every promotion most promotion companies send me yeah. stuff sure um and you know, I just try to keep up, and a lot of the music previewing is like scanning something. You don't really get to, I don't really get to digest it. How many seconds? You know, thirty to a minute, depending. That's good. That's generous. You know, it is. Yeah. Um, but I, I try. I try. Maybe that's why I don't get to listen to everything. <laughs> I gotta scan quicker. Um, <laughs> pe- but people still email me. Mm-hmm. Um, people will hit me up on Twitter. Right. I have to say, though, social media may not be the best way to do it. Um, I don't know, and things are just prioritized. Like because I'm, there are things that I want to hear mm-hmm. from people that I like. Sure. Yeah. That I am supporting or I'm a fan of or whatever. Um, but it's all in all, it's pretty random. Like if you're just an artist off the street. I think persistence counts. Mm. Um, if you hit me up one time, it might not be enough. Um, so I can say that there have been people who have basically bothered me, like not bothered me in a bad way, but like kept nudging me, bugged me, kept sending emails that I ended up responding to and, you know, playing their music because I ended up Who's listening what? to. Uh, there's a young lady out of Los Angeles. What's her name? Nama Cates. Okay. And she had this song that I liked. And I finally listened to it and I played it. And she was just like ecstatic. You know? <laughs> nice. For her, it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I put it in rotation. I played it for a while. So, and you know, there are people like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, for me personally, it's persistence. I can't speak for anybody else. So, um, what, are, what are the moments when you think? When you're in it and you go, man, I, I love this job. Almost daily, man. I almost almost every day. Like it's it's pretty surreal. I think I've gotten too comfortable. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've been in radio like a decade longer than I should have. You know what I mean? Like that's how it feels. Like I can't believe I'm doing this. I mean, yeah. when I was young, I couldn't believe I was doing it, and now that I'm like 41, I still can't believe I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of great things that have come along with that that have allowed me to sort of elevate my own career, my own hustle, if you will, you know, being a family man, having to feed people and whatnot. 
So yeah, talk talk about the side hustles a lot because I, I know you have. I mean, you know, we talked about some of them. You also do music supervision. Uh, you, you stay busy, and and yeah. I think that's um, that's part of the KCRW culture as well, right? Like a lot of the DJs. I think it's out of necessity because it's public radio and nobody's really getting paid. Sure. You know, except for the staffers and the full timers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have to go out and do your thing. Yeah. Um, that's why I ended up uh, doing Entourage for a short time mm-hmm. was for that reason. Um, my probably, you know, most golden moment of music supervision so far was getting that Dilla track in season four. Um, it was a scene where Turtle was smoking weed. Mm-hmm. And it was the instrumental to Won't Do. And it was just perfect. And I, I, I got him to push it through. You know, and it was, it was, I was just like, yeah. Well, and the music was a big part of that show, right? Yeah, it was a huge. Yeah, huge big time. I subscribed to their Spotify playlist when it came out. They put like a big one out. Yeah. Oh, all yeah. the episodes, yeah. yeah. That's right. They did a soundtrack, like the mm-hmm. whole Yeah, it was dope. Yeah. I, yeah, I discovered some tracks off. I was like, what is that? I love that. That's what Shazam was great for. Yeah. Um, Side hustles, though. I mean, you know, I, I had to become a business. Mm-hmm. Because I was just doing all this different stuff, you know, and for tax purposes, it was just like, you know what? Sure. You know, you need to incorporate yourself. So, you know, everything from like voiceover work to um, consulting on projects for music to curating events. I mean, all that stuff is still happening. But where I am right now is at this 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 new crossroads. And um, I'm just we were talking about this off air a little bit like music journalism for me is something that I've always liked to do. Um, but the station kind of switched some things up. So we're not really able to do as much of it Mm -hmm. on the air. So, you know, a a good friend of mine who's a writer because I've written some stuff in the past for like, you know, LA times and, you know, I've been a guest writer Mm -hmm. and people have commented on the writing like, yo, you, you have a great grasp of the language. You can write. People enjoy. I'm enjoying reading what you're writing. You should do it more. I was like, ah, you know, it's just I'm not there right now. You know what yeah. I mean? But now that I'm, I'm sort of, um, for lack of a better term, cut off from really pursuing dialogue and narrative on the air with people. Um, I'm doing it in writing. Mm-hmm. Hence, you know, the sort of um, okay player stuff. Uh, and I'm music editor at the moment at LA Canvas. Um, music supervision, uh, you know, not a lot of money in it anymore unless you really want to go all out and do it full time. So mm-hmm. if there's a project that comes across my desk, um, like I'm I'm signed up right now for like two films, one of which is in the, the phase of fundraising, but I like the script. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of on board as like a, a producer as well, helping them go out and get talent and things like that, yeah. get other people attached. Um, and then there's another film that is, I keep hearing is, um, should be greenlit soon, so I, I can't really say much about it, but I'm really excited about it. It's kind of like uh, 
like modern Stanley Kubrick, but in the hood kind of oh, deal. Wow. But it's not like a typical hood film. Yeah. You know, it's not like Boys in the Hood or Men in Society. It's like, you know, Clockwork Orange kind of deal. That's cool. Um, so I'm excited about that prospect at the moment. Uh, one of the other things things I'm excited about very much so is finally getting into, you know, music production. A uh, good nice. friend of mine and I have this sort of um, interesting house music project, and we call ourselves Trinidad Sonolia. Guy's mm -hmm. name is Matteo Sonolia. Um, yeah, I heard it yesterday. Yeah, doing a little research, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have like an EP that came out a couple years ago on Europa Records, and we followed that up with like a remix EP on the same label. Uh, we've done a couple of remixes, official and unofficial. I think the official ones so far have been uh, remix for Khalees, which was like last year for her latest record. I think Blessed Telephone is a track. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of the great producers, certainly if we think of producers outside of uh, hip hop or, or electronic music, right? Where the producer doesn't play anything in rock and roll and, you know, soul. Producer doesn't play, didn't write the songs, mm -hmm. but lends the ear and is the one to say, this sounds better than that. And, you know, uh, is very much the curator that brings it all together. And I think that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. And it's it's gotten, I don't want to say it's lost, but, you know, certainly in 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 the music that we're involved in the producer role is very different and when you've written the song and are playing the instruments or the programming right you don't i think you don't really have that uh ability yeah. to to you know you don't have yeah. that distance to be yeah. able to you can certainly make those end, up, choices. end up in a vacuum yeah definitely yeah. uh it happens to the best of them yeah yeah um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm super excited about that at the moment. It's it's funny to kind of sit back and look at it because, um, like, I'm this mixed format radio guy. That's my lane, right? That's what people know me for. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, especially um, <laughs> in the L.A. kind of dance community, are like, you know, the side eyes yeah. there. It's like, what like, are you doing? What is this? Like, <laughs> what do you think you're doing? You know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be doing this, you know? And for that reason, it's it's just been a really interesting ride. Like, we've gotten a lot of support from a couple of different countries. Um, but L.A. has yet to really, you know, there's mm -hmm. been a couple of people mm -hmm. that have kind of been digging what we're doing. But, you know, on the down low, more sure. so. Yeah. Um, but you know that's I think but that's, that's pretty common in dance music. It certainly is, um, I, I th and I think it's common. It, it's common in general. Like you know, you gotta like leave the nest mm -hmm. and be successful outside of there in order right. for in order to come back to the nest. Sure. You know, and have people go, okay, we see you. Right. You know? Yeah, and I, and people have certain preconceptions about you, right? That they may not have as much in other places. Right. How do you so. work? How do you work through that feedback? Um. I've learned to manage my expectations, you know. <laughs> um, in the, I think it was the first episode. You yeah. Know, and, uh, you and Dennis were talking yeah, about yeah. that a bit. You, you, you know, you, you said it before you even started the interview. Like, you, you don't get your hopes up. It's like yeah. you just have right. no expectations. And I'm like, that's what I started having to do. Like, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I've made my my bones in L.A. Like, like 
you know, like I built up a lot of goodwill here. Mm-hmm. And my expectation was that, you know, it would be automatic. Not that people would like it automatically, but that there would be um, a response. You know, I could communicate with people about it. Right. You know, I could get a call back. And, sure. you know, I was like, when people weren't answering the door, I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, what's, what, I know you home, what's up? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I had to let all that go, mm-hmm. you know? Because for a minute I was like, damn, it's not personal. Right. You know, not at all. It's just kind of like, it is what it is. Keep it moving. Yeah, I mean, so. that's what this town is is about, right? Is is uh, You know, it's never personal, but it's not about what you expect. You're going to, you know, when you have a hit, everybody's calling you, and when you don't, right. you know, or when it's when they're not ready to hear that from you yet or whatever, right? Like, it's a, you know, it's a different game you have to exactly. play. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. But it's fun, man. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and then, man, I got to say, like, <laughs> you, know, you know, I think I've told you this before. I went to, I went to Otis for, you know, illustration yeah. and whatnot, and um, a few years back, um, you know, like, I was kind of linked in, linked up with, like, the gallery community and, like, you know, doing music for, you know, shows, like, mm-hmm. curating playlists and stuff for them, and this one um, gallery owner found out that you know, I went to art school and I was an artist, and so she was putting together this show. And she's like, "You know, it'd be good. You know, it'd be good, is if you did something." I'm like, "I haven't really, you know, picked up a paintbrush or a pencil or anything in years. I don't know." She's like, "Just come on." You should, and she just, you know, got me to agree to do it. Nice. And then a friend of mine was like, "He makes canvases." He's like, "Yo, take a canvas." <laughs> so I, I had no excuse. So I did it, and uh, it was just really fun and really cool to see the response. And then uh, I did couple of other things that I like donated to like you know charity shows or whatever um I want to get back into that I want to get back into you know drawing and painting and making things it's I've certainly missed it you Mm. know all these years I I started I was in art school when the KCRW thing happened so as soon as I graduated I was already like doing Chocolate City Mm full-time it was very it was a weird transition but it was it was they were both happening at the same time, uh, so radio and music kind of stole me away from what everybody thought I was supposed to be doing. You know, so take us back to that moment when you decided that you were going to be a DJ as opposed to a visual artist. Uh, I think it was less of a conscious decision and more of a time management thing. You know, okay. I mean, for any for any creative person, you know, you need you know that you need to have time, uh, and it's already very limited. Um, I got married pretty young; I was twenty five. Mm. I got married; it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know the kids came rolling in a few years later, and so there's a whole chunk of time right there that's gone. So I, I was already operating from a very limited space and time. And so art just sort of fell by the wayside because I was hustling. It was just kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. and then and then I lost the discipline yeah. to do it. And it takes discipline. Like you have to, if you're bombarded with other things, but you're still trying to do something, it, it could be exercise or anything, you know. Right. You know, you have to make time for it. And so I stopped making time for it, you know. But 
so the desire to do it has never left. And I think that it's actually caused caused me some internal problems, like not doing it. Mm-hmm. It's probably, you know, because it, it's an outlet, you know what I mean? And uh, not being able to utilize that outlet for a while. I've been thinking recently about how this probably has played a role in, like, you know, creative blocks, blockages, stress, like not being able to do it because there's something that's not being met. Mm-hmm. There's a desire that's not being yeah, met inside me. You know what I mean? You know, I find that so fascinating. I mean, one of the themes that keeps coming up in this show is, is, is first of all, about the side hustle, right? And some of that, I think, everybody's first explanation is that it's economic. And that's not wrong. But I think, you know, one of the things I'm noticing is that that may be part of it, but that creative people, kind of what you said, if if you're not expressing that, then you feel the block, and it's going to impact you in other ways. And you know, there most most people never have any creative outlet, so they just don't tap into that, right? right? They just don't pay attention to that part of them and they just go work in the factory every day or whatever they do right but for people that do really pay attention to that side all of a sudden it needs to express itself in different ways and sometimes ways that you know you weren't expecting and you know we don't expect a dj to necessarily be you know a visual artist or frankly you know necessarily even a music producer right like there's a lot of reasons why those work together, but but they don't need to, and a lot of people they don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I, I'm 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 happy to hear you say that because, yeah. you know, I I, th- I can see that in you, right? That you know, there's just stuff that needs to get out, and and you gotta get out of the way. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. So you talked about mentors a little bit. What's um. What's something, you know, what's the most valuable thing that somebody's taught you or something that really stands out? I'm going back to, you know, like my early radio mentors, you know. Um, presentation was really important. You know, it was it was a big part of the idea of like, you know, even though I don't think we were really using the word branding, mm. you know, but that how you represent yourself ultimately is like, you know, how you build your reputation, which is, you know, in essence, your brand, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was like checking out, you know, how people presented themselves on the mic, you know, how Jason was like, you know, back when like Bossa Nova was, um, you know, a prominent underground dance club and they were doing like, you know, mixtapes and stuff. I was paying attention to everything. I mean, Jason used to let me make mixtapes at his house, mm-hmm. you know, so I would get to watch him and I, I saw his environment. You know, I saw how he had his record set up. I saw how he had his studio set up. Like it was, I think the lessons were about, you know, aesthetic and presentation. And it w- it was almost unspoken. You know, it was just them allowing me to see into their world. Mm-hmm that were like the biggest lessons like I'm you know because I was trying to figure out in this space coming from art school you know formulating this vision because we all have a vision of ourselves right we're like 
we're the stars of our own movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out what that was for me, you know, who who was I in this? Um, and so when like you know, Liza and Jason and you know Tom Tom Schnabel let me see into their worlds, you know, it helped me kind of facilitate, you know, my own thing. Like, oh, okay, I see, I see them. I see what they're doing, and I see what I can do. You know, I see where I can exist. And I don't know, they, they taught me the hustle. You know what I mean? It was like, they taught me what steps I need to take. Mm. What about uh, DJs? Did you, do you have a favorite DJ? Oh, I got a lot of favorite DJs. I mean, because it's... show you've ever seen? Um, first of all, let me preface this by saying I just don't go out that much. Never have. That's part of my problems. Part, one of my problem one of my problems is just I'm not a great networker. Okay. I'm a homebody. And then being so busy, I mean, I just when I have free time, I don't want to do anything. Right. You know what I mean, it's just like Sure. Uh, I'm going to stay home. Yeah, you got you family know? and um no, I, even if I I'll send them out like <laughs> hey, I got I got tickets for you guys. <laughs> you can go. That's my wife funny. is looking to give me the side. I'm like, "What are you talking about right now? You better come on." Um <laughs> But no, um, geez, man, uh, I think my, the most favorite show so far, like, like speaking of DJs, uh, Carlos Nino was doing a series at the El Rey. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, I I don't know if it was the Rise series. He did a series of live events called Rise. Remember those? Yeah. Yeah. So. Cut Chemist and Newmark were supposed to do this routine together. Mm-hmm. It was like they had the four turntables, the beat machine, and whatever else other gear they had set up. Well, Newmark gets stuck in the studio recording with, um, no, maybe so that was it the other way around? No, it was Cut. Newmark, he's stuck in the studio recording with somebody. He didn't tell us. We Newmark was on last week. He didn't tell us this. Yeah, no, I still haven't listened to his episode yet. Um, so he couldn't make it. So the routine, as it turns out, when I got there, is supposed to be um, Cut Chemist and Newmark doing a, a, a live version using all the original records that were sampled to make the Cold Cut remix of Arab and Rakim's um, Paid in Full. Nice. So I was like mad excited. And I'm thinking like, oh man, he's not gonna be able to do it. Cut's like, nah, I'm gonna do it. I just gotta do it by myself. Mm-hmm. And he just murdered it, dude. I mean, my jaw was on the floor. It's amazing. So, you know, the the, the drum beat, um, what's her name? Uh the mm-hmm. Israeli Ofra singer Ofra Haza. Yep. Um, you know, all the all the little vocal samples, outtakes. They they got they had it on vinyl. Like I was like That's crazy. It was like, I don't know, it was like late 90s or whatever. 
and I and we were just me and my little crew were standing there. We nobody was saying shit because it was just like, excuse me, babe. It was like minds blown. Yeah, you know. And he's like running back and forth on the turntables, just like keeping everything in time. And I'm like, that's crazy. It's ridiculous. I don't know. I think um, one yeah, of my fa- one of my favorite DJs of all time has got to be J Rock. I think because he his sensibility to rock a party, mm-hmm. to educate. And to not go off on some weird turntablist tangent in the middle of a great dance session, he is so remarkable mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Newmark is right up there for me. Like I, I've always enjoyed watching him and like what he does with the toys and oh my god, dude is just he just killing it. Like it's an it's a totally different experience yeah. seeing someone like that DJ because it becomes more than just someone DJing. It is really a live performance. It's like it's performance art. Mm-hmm. But it's like a groove. Yeah, it's cool. You know, yeah. and you're dancing and you're like partying, and it's like, look at this dude. He's got monkeys clanging <laughs> things and Tonka Tonka, uh, uh, what's your Fisher Price keyboards and what's he doing? Rubber bands and I mean, it's madness. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just hot. So I love that. Um, like deep house guys. I mean, Theo Parrish, Carl Craig. You know, uh, Rich Medina's always been one of my favorites because mm-hmm. he's. You know, he he knows how to like move through genres. You know what I mean? Like he can take it over here, take it over there. Al Jackson, I think, is um, you know very um, underrated, probably because he just doesn't pursue being a star. You know what I mean? Al like, Jackson is definitely underrated. I'm, but, I'm glad you mentioned him. But when you when you go see him, though, you're like, dude, um, he knows music. Yeah, and he knows how to play it. You know what I mean? I love that dude. We used to book him a lot for the science shows that we were doing here in LA and he was one of those cats that like nobody really knows and would just always bring it. It's amazing. DJ June. Yeah. Dude's, dude's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You guys are totally friends because this is like everything I hear when John <laughs> is shooting off favorite. June is my wife's anything. favorite DJ and Dude. she's not uh, like that's not really her music but <laughs> she's seen him at a couple parties and just you know and that's the thing I think is is interesting is, you know, we talk about, you know, DJs can mean so many different things today, especially in different genres. There's, you know, no end of debate online about what makes a real DJ and all that. Sure. And I think sure. um, I'm coming, I'm, I'm evolving to the perspective that it's none of my business really what's a real DJ. Like, you enjoy what you enjoy. <laughs> Somebody else enjoys what they do, right? And, you know, that's taken me a while to get there uh, and let go of some of those judgments. But, but you know, but what I'm drawn to, and you, you just use that word, is, is educate, right? That I've, I've always seen the DJ as somebody that's going to not only make me dance and have a good time, but also teach me something. Yeah. And not everyone wants to do that. Yeah. Right? Dusk did that. Um, Sake is one of my favorites. Sake, Sake yeah, one from San Fran. I mean, that's my man right there. And he's, I mean, I called him the, like the Bay Area Dusk because they shared a lot of the same um, like aesthetic value in their sets. Like it just, you know, Dusk was able to go from one genre and then build, you know, into a whole other tempo and genre like seamlessly. It was just like flawless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sake is somebody that can do the same thing. And, I like just love listening and watching those cats get down and you know R.I.P. Dusk. I mean, he was just a, a friend and also a mentor. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, you know, he mentored a lot of people, and he was mentored by um, you know people like Rob One was one of his 
I remember Dust called Rob One like his father, you know, and he mm-hmm. was like, so this is like this legacy thing. Yeah. Um, and that's a big deal to me too. Francois K is an amazing DJ. Uh, King Brit, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jedi. Um, Jay Logic, I think, has a great sensibility mm-hmm. about him as a DJ. You know, he's he's the cat that put me on uh, originally, like as, you know, I was a radio dude, you know, but I didn't really have any kind of like residency as mm-hmm. a DJ. And he, he opened the door for me to come in and start playing was that sound lessons? with his crew after he left uh, Firecracker and started Sound Lessons, yeah. Um, a lot of great memories there, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's more, but you know, yeah. hard to think of all of them at once. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think we have room for one more question. Okay. So make it good. Mm. When's the last time you said that's my jam? <laughs> Nadia, when's the last time I said that? You know. I don't know. <laughs> um. Jeez, man. Like, what's the last song you heard that you were just like? I'm try- What I'm trying to do is think of like a new favorite right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of them. I mean, the new internet record. I, I, I don't, I don't even think I have a favorite yet. It's just like every song. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like that. Instead of that's my jam. That's like my joint. Like that okay. album. Um, that that new Thundercat song, uh, mm. "Them Changes," you heard that yet? Mm-mm. He starts out with like this classic Isley Brothers drum break, and you think it's going one direction, but it goes another. Beautiful, so beautiful. Um, one of my favorite songs at the moment, it's been a favorite for a few weeks, maybe more than a few weeks, it's an Australian band named Alpine. Alpine, and they have a new album called Yuck. And there's a song called Foolish. And it's it's kind of different. And it's super groovy. And I like, I'm stuck on it right now. Like, I love it. It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's just a cool track. And so that's my jam right now. Like, that's nice. the joint. Um but there's a ton of them, man. I mean, you know. Yeah, of course. You're, you're a music head, you know what I'm saying. Of course. But, I, you know, Oliver Wang, who's a friend of the show. Oh, dub. Uh, in his new book, he talks about that sort of, for music heads, right, there's that, that, that feeling when the song comes on and you're like, that's my jam, you know. <laughs> and you're at the party and, and the DJ's playing and, you know, the music's good and then all of a sudden, there's that one track. And I think, you know, that, you know, that feeling unites us, right, to some extent, because there's there's nothing like it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Partying on the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming out, man. I appreciate yeah, thank you. Yo, man. all the wisdom. I hope you invite me back. We got way more to talk about. Man. No, yeah, yeah, we definitely do. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, man, come back anytime when, you know, promote stuff and. And you know, send us stuff as you're doing it. We'll cool. we'll promote it. How do we reach? How do how do folks reach you online? 
Uh, you know, I've been meaning to resurrect my website for years, but you know, in the interim, it's like Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Facebook. Face, Facebook has proven fairly useless. Like, yeah. I, I had to create a a like page or whatever they call that, right. yeah. page or whatever, because yeah, because you get too many. I didn't realize you you could only have a certain amount of friends. Yeah. And this was years ago, so I did it, and then all of a sudden, recently, it's like my posts don't yeah. really go out. I have no. like it doesn't go anywhere. Seven thousand. They want you fans to pay. or whatever. All right. Well, find Garth Trinidad on Twitter. Yeah, it's just at Garth Trinidad and at it's both both Instagram, Twitter. Just okay. Easy. Trinidad, yeah. And most importantly, find him on KCRW. Yeah. Yeah. it up most weeknights, eight to ten. All nice. Right. Right on. Well, thanks for having me, man. Thanks, Appreciate man. It. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, or a little bit less. If uh, if it was the best show you ever heard, make sure you post that on Twitter. If you didn't like it, tell all your friends it was great anyway. And leave us a comment. Maybe we'll get better. Or worse. Thanks for listening. I'm Josh Levine. This is Rebel Radio. Radio.